3: sent off today.
4: Well, 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 <laughs> as is the catchphrase that starts this podcast, it's playoff time, baby. We're taking a look at each series, discussing the 2-1-1 theory with the incredibly talented and scape writer around the horn panelist, author Justin Tinsley, on today's episode. This is the most excited I've been about the NBA since we've been doing this podcast. It's money time. I'm pumped. Let's get it. <laughs> uh, I'm Jack O'Brien. And I'm Jabari Davis, in for Miles. And this is...
5: Miles and
4: or... Jack and or Jabari. Jabari. Jabari and Jack got mad boosties. That has a nice ring to it. <laughs> hey, Jabari and go. Jack got mad right boosties. Off the J.J. GMB. Three
3: on one. Davis loves LeBron! Nice. There you go. GMB driving, spinning, fading, hitting! Curry, a three-pointer.
4: Justin, wonderful to have you, Justin Tinsley. Thank you for joining us.
6: What's going on, fellas? How goes it? It's a pleasure to be back here, man. I I always love coming on this show.
4: This is uh, pleasure is all ours. Is it just me, or or is everybody as in love with the NBA right now as they've? I'm so excited. Like I'm just getting through the workday, looking forward to all right. What's the first game? Where are we in this series, which is what we're about to talk about. We're a couple days behind you guys. So if we say something very stupid, uh, we apologize. We're actually going to start doing a accelerated playoff schedule starting next week uh, where we record and release uh, in less time. We'll still be behind you guys. But this week we're in the distant past. Uh, It's Tuesday afternoon before the Tuesday night games. Um, So Knicks Cavaliers is 1-0 same with clippers Suns. you know we don't know quite a bit about where these series are headed but there's so much to talk about this ah uh, these matchups the matchups out west are so incredible every like three of the four series are all-time class or like could be all-time classics
5: to that point jack i think you mentioned this yesterday in in the planning meeting Justin, is this the most exciting, at least first round matchup wise that we've, you know, that
6: we've had at least you recently? Know, yeah, I would have to go back and look. But there is like this fervent excitement about this playoffs because it's not wide open, but it feels wider open than it has been in years past. So I I feel out West, like barring key injuries, uh, unfortunately, like to players like John Morant. Uh, you kind of feel like there's like four or five teams. If they get hot, they can make a run to the finals. And when it's four or five teams and there's only eight teams in the playoffs per conference, like that's pretty wide open, man. So, yeah, there is there is a different type of excitement around the 2023 playoffs that feels different from years past.
4: So the only series that we have two games in the books on as of this recording, Sixers, Nets and Golden State, Sacramento. Sixers-Nets has not been... I, I've been enjoying watching Philadelphia win because I am a Philadelphia 76ers fan. Like, the Nets are tough. You know, they game plan. They have some different looks. They're thrown at the Sixers. It really messes with them for, for at least a while. But then, you know, there's just too much from Embiid and Harden and Maxi and Tobias Harris. Um, th- this is actually an interesting one to talk about, the 2-1-1 theory. Because so far, it feels like we've gotten, I don't know, it, it's been a real team effort Like for, from the Sixers. It hasn't been a, like, I, I don't look at either of those first two games and say, Embiid got that for them. You know, he, he, yeah. every, every possession went through him, but he got doubled and he was making the right pass. But it feels like it was like a, I don't know, that, that, this might be an exception to the rule.
6: Yeah, I mean, uh for the Mad Bootsies uh universe out there or for anyone not familiar with the 211 theory, that is a theory that myself and w- one of my best friends, Kenny Mcenda, we really kind of created created a couple of years ago. I, I would probably say during the 2012-2013 NBA playoffs, we just started like looking at games differently, like, "Oh, man, last night, that was uh that was the Birdman game." For the, for the Miami yeah. Heat, it was like, oh, yeah, Birdman came up big in the fourth quarter. And I'm like, wait a minute. There's a science to this. And obviously, it's not exact. But it's like, in the 2-1-1 theory, you need four wins to advance, obviously, to the next round. Yeah. Of those four wins, two come from your best player. One comes from your second best player. And the fourth comes from, let's just say, a role player game. The Birdman yeah. game. Yeah. You know? So, now, does it apply to every series? No. But when when you look at the series thinking of this theory in your head you'll see wait a minute it kind it kind of pl- plays out more often than i thought it would you know i made the joke that it's like the sex panther cologne from anchor man 60% <laughs> of the time it works every time so 60% <laughs> of the time it works and yeah with this series in particular it may it may not even work out that way because while and you you mentioned it jack uh you mentioned it, too, jabari like the nets are they're a good team man i don't i i Nobody predicts them to win this series, but given everything that Brooklyn has had to endure this season on the court and off of it, and the fact that you they got the haul back that they did, especially yeah. with Kevin Durant, and the coaching job that Jacques Vaughn has done this year has been, in my eyes, masterful. Mike Brown is going to be the unanimous coach of the year, and as he should be, but Jacques Vaughn, man, what he's done with that team is great. And they're, they're a really fun team to watch because they compete, man. Mikael Bridges, he may not be a number one guy but if he is if he is on your team he is going to make your team better and so for game one with this series I just look at it joke not jokingly but I look at it like lightheartedly like okay well I believe Embiid had 26 and 6 in game one and I'm like obviously that's a great game and but it's like it didn't feel like the dominant Joel Embiid performance and I when I look back at that game, I was like, OK, that may be the James Harden game. If I had to give it to anybody, he yeah, I believe had 23 and 13 hit hits. Yeah. And people
4: and were so. saying it was like a perfect game. Yeah. And, you yeah. know,
6: so you give it to him. Game two comes around. You know, James Harden does not play uh, well. in Very that well. Game in terms yeah. Of shooting percentage. And obviously Tyrese Maxey has the big night. So you figure from the two one one metric, you got your one that is your second best player. and You got mm-hmm. your other one that is the role player game. You're like, wait, I'm I'm two Joel and B games away f- from advancing. So, yeah. will it play out exactly like that? Maybe Tobias Harris has a big game three, and you know Maxi has another big game four, and they move on. But apply the theory to most NBA series, and you'll see like, wait a minute, this actually happens more often yeah. than I thought it would.
4: And also, game two didn't feel like a dominant Embiid scoring performance. Mm -hmm. He still had 20, 19, seven assists, and like I think three blocks. He was all over the place on defense. So, I mean, we might want to just give that one to Embiid because, like I said, every possession had to go through him, or we might want to give it to Doc uh, because (laughs) of the.
6: (laughs) You know, the beautiful thing about this is too, like people like (laughs) at me on Twitter about it, like, oh, that wasn't the maxi game. That was the Embiid game. Oh, no, it was the maxi game. I'm like, at the end of the day, it's all subjective. It's who you yes. want to give it to. Like, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I may have created it, but I'm, it's, I'm not the only one. Who's like, no, my rule is yeah. law. Like, no, I guess we got to give it to
4: bro. Maxie. He had 38, but um, I, mean, you. <laughs> I I do just want to mention because I think my coach Doc Rivers is getting a raw deal on Twitter. People are like, so here's what happened. There, there's a ESPN story that's like. Doc's talk. This is the actual headline. Doc's talk prompts unbelievable Sixers response. And this is, there There was, they came out real lackadaisical, lackadaisical in the first two quarters, came out of halftime and like there was a possession or two where they looked even more like they were sleepwalking. And then there was a timeout and they came out and started executing after that and people were like did doc say something and so doc was wired as the coaches usually are and the people looked at the timeout speech and the thing that was used on the broadcast was just doc saying come on guys come on like just that that seemed to be the only thing and then you know it like so that became the story that he got them to play the thing that you have to understand is that James Harden was asked what happened in that timeout. And he said, doc cursed us out. Doc <laughs> was swearing us up and down justifiably. His job is to do that when they're playing as, as unfocused as they were. Um, they can't use that on the broadcast. So the come on guys is the all is the three seconds that they were allowed to use on the broadcast. And That like the if you want to know what actually was said, you'll probably need the red band trailer to, you know,
6: that's a fair that's a fair critique for sure. That's a fair synopsis.
4: Yeah. But
5: but also, you know what it is, Jack, this is confirmation bias for folks. These are the for the folks out there that that are like, Doc doesn't make adjustments. He's this. He's that. You know, he he blows it when they just see that. They're like, oh, see, see, look, if, if that's what he's saying then that's why they've had failures in the past but the reality is it's probably aligned with what you're saying like they couldn't play yeah. everything specifically yeah. because you know they shouldn't play everything you know, like in the commercial and you know you just get the the G rated disney version yeah
4: i'm not here to say doc makes great adjustments in the playoffs i am here to say that what you saw was not the full picture and that the level of coaching and preparation that goes into the games from an NBA coaching staff is beyond what your expectations are, and beyond what they're allowed to show in the uh, sound from the game section. I think when I was watching that, like during the game, I was like, "This looks like." Have you ever seen blue chips when oh, Nick yeah. Nolte? Yeah, when Nick Nolte's like coaching, and his version of coaching is, "Come on, do the."
0: Play. Put the ball
4: in the hole. Do the
6: basketball. Do the
4: basketball. Get the basket in the basketball. Like (laughs) that. That's what it felt like. The parts that they were allowed to show of Doc, but that's not. That's not an accurate synopsis of what actually happened.
6: You're always a victim to editing, man.
4: Yeah, editor has the power.
5: (laughs) That's right. In
6: a real way.
4: Other series, you know, Knicks Cavs is going to have a game by the time you hear this. uh, That seems like it's going to be a war. If I had to predict. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hawks Celtics. That seems like it's not going to be a war. I feel like the Celtics are going to sweep that one. Um, And then he bucks is just like a complete wild card. Like, I don't I don't know what to expect there. I mean, it seems like Giannis is going to be back for game two. Yeah,
6: I think losing hero for Miami is actually a really, really big loss for them. We all know Jimmy Butler is... You know, I said it yesterday that he's the alpha and the omega of that team. Everything starts and ends with him. He is one of the better playoff performers that we've ever seen. But you don't just lose 20 points a game and a pure shooter and suddenly become the same team that you were with him on the court. Like there is going to be a considerable drop off. It makes the defensive assignments for Milwaukee that much more difficult to plan for because you got a legit score going. So, But yet and still, man, this Miami team... They're as scrappy as they come. Uh, they don't care about that eight beside their name, which is their seed, and they're obviously very familiar with this team. So while I do expect Milwaukee to win this series, it would not shock me if this thing went six. You know, yeah. just because they know how to muck it up, and not in a, not in a disrespectful way, but they're a tough they're a tough team, and they will rally around each other, and they expect greatness out of each other, even with you know hero out of the lineup.
4: I will say, and this was a thought I had before the playoffs, but I didn't say it on the show because I was like, this is crazy. Like the, the bucks are going to wipe them out. But I remember coming into the playoffs that when Milwaukee won the title, like being worried, cause I love Giannis. I always end up rooting for like the best player in the league. And just like, I, I love that narrative of seeing like somebody do it. And so I was like pulling for the bucks. And I was worried for them going against Miami in the first round because Miami had had their numbers so much. And I feel like Mm -hmm. they had that great run, but otherwise there's been like a lot of questionable exits for Milwaukee. And I mean, last year, obviously they played incredibly well. So like they might be past this, but heading in, I was like, are we sure this is going to be a sweep? Like this feels like it could be trickier than, than we might expect and now this prediction that I'm claiming I made before the series <laughs> turns out to be right, so I'm a genius as always. I, to that point, I'm wondering
5: where Justin was heading into this postseason. Were you, you know, were you re- resigned as we were? Is
6: like no, nah, Boston's probably the cream of the crop out there. You know, I think Boston is the best team, but I don't think that that gap between one and two and even three is as big. As 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 we make it out to be, sometime. yes, Boston may be the best team, but I think you got you know Drew Holiday there, who is a lockdown defender and a great offensive player. Brooke Lopez is, is was in the conversation for defensive player of the year, and you know that's that's a that's a tough team to beat in Milwaukee. Philadelphia has a lot to play for. We all understand the the quote unquote narratives going on around that team with the players. It, it, there feels like there's a lot on Philly's plate this year to get it done. So. Uh, while I do think Boston is the best team, I, I think it's all about matchups and I think it's about when you get a certain team. Like, I, It would not shock me if Boston went on to the finals again this year out of the Eastern Conference, but it would not shock me if Milwaukee went and it would not shock me if Philly, if Philly somehow found a way to get it together and go because I think they're the three best teams in that conference. So you heard you the, me say up until
4: the third one. No, no. <laughs> yeah. see, oh, so for- I would be I would be legitimately shocked if the Sixers beat Boston, barring injury, obviously.
6: Here's what I'll say. Let's say Philly and Boston go on to win their series much, much like, you know, we all expect them to. They're going to beat the Hawks and, you know, Philly's going to beat the Nets at some point. My homeboy said it to me the other day when I was talking to him on the phone. He lives in Philadelphia. He was like the most important game in Philadelphia Sixers recent history hasn't even been played yet. And it potentially could be played in the second round. It would game be one. game seven in game Boston. Game seven? Oh. In Boston. oh, there you go. Game he seven. We're take...
4: giving him game seven.
6: Yeah, you know, he was like, it would go seven. He was like, as much as I loathe Boston. And he, yeah. didn't, he didn't say the word loathe. He, he described Boston in more colorful <laughs> language. Yeah. Uh, he was like, "That that's a good team over there. And if we could beat Boston in game seven the next round, obviously, if it ever happens, He's like that would be a definitive moment in Philadelphia Sixers, you know, history, and I believe him.
5: So, Justin, for perspective, the reason why I even brought that up, and the reason why I pointed it out to Jack is, you know, Jack is a di- is a true diehard fan, but he's mm-hmm. cautiously optimistic. You know, I, I, is is that a fair assessment, Jack? Oh My no, I'm, I'm or cautiously, cautiously maybe pessimistic. pessimistic. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah,
4: um, yeah. I I just I'm, don't. I'm with you. I feel like they've had the motivation to prove themselves for the past three, four seasons. And it just hasn't happened. So, like, motivation is not the thing that I think they're lacking. Yeah, I I don't know. We'll we'll see. I just don't think enough has changed from last year that they're going to suddenly put it together. They have looked good this season. It's just Boston has been a terrible matchup, and I feel like it's really all about matchups. Yeah. It's tough. I was I was hoping that they would like tank down to the 4 seed to face uh, uh Milwaukee in the second round. That's how much I am I'm not it's not like I'm just scared of the Celtics. It's that I'm I just think that matchup is so bad for the Sixers and it's just so reliant on matchup. Like the Hawks matchup, that one season that the Hawks beat them even though they were, you know, not expected to like they have a really hard time with really quick, good shooting teams that, you know, can just run them ragged. And I don't, I'd be surprised.
6: Crazier things have happened, man. Crazier yeah, no, for sure.
4: I've been looking at 538 just cause they sometimes like 538 is on to things a little early. I've been interested to see how much movement there has been in the, in the West. Like now the Lakers are the fifth most likely to win the title according to their analytics and they've always had philly having a pretty decent chance assuming they make it there i think it's like 55 45 between celtics and the sixers which seems too optimistic for sixers but well we shall
6: see it's one of my favorite movies of all time once it so you're telling me there's a chance <laughs> that's right <laughs> there it is um all
4: right let's take a quick break we'll come back we'll talk about the western conference
1: For up-to-date list of states, visit dkngco slash 6 states Void where prohibited. See terms at slash promos
3: off
4: today and we're back and i feel like we could do the whole rest of the episode about the western conference i feel like we could just stop doing the daily zeitgeist for this week and just do the daily zeitgeist about the western conference um the western conference playoffs is just bonkers and super exciting yeah again we're coming to you from the distant Past so the only series that has two games played as of yet is the Warriors versus the Kings, Kings up 2-0. Uh, unfortunately there's not much to talk about in that series. So we should probably just move <laughs> yeah. on.
6: Oh wait, what a, wait a, what second. a boring <laughs> series that's been.
4: <laughs> I mean, game one was one of the best playoff games in my recent memory. Really cool to see DeAaron Fox finally, you know, make sure. his playoff debut and just do what he does to the tune of 38 points. Game two had some moments of controversy is what I'm hearing. What, what, really? What were those moments?
5: <laughs>
6: I don't remember so, anything happening. All right. Don't make, me, don't make me stomp out of here, man. Come on now. <laughs> stomp the yard.
4: <laughs> Again, this is, this is one where I'm taking the anti-internet uh, take here, but I don't think Draymond did that on purpose. Is like it's hard. It's so the, the I guess it's not that's a weird way of saying it. I think what happened is he got his leg caught up and then did the thing he does where he makes his body do something crazy to try and emphasize that he's getting fouled and it ended up being a stomp. I have not been like Team Draymond in most controversies in the past. Like there have been times when he has lined up the kick. (laughs) You know, you saw where his eyes were. You're like, all right, man, like what is going on? This one just felt like he what he was doing with his body is what he does whenever he feels like he's being fouled. And which is just to like kind of fling his limbs everywhere. And one of those limbs happened to stomp.
6: You know, here's what I here look, I remember watching the game and it was it was pretty testy from the opening tip. And I remember thinking to myself, I was watching Sabonis and Draymond specifically, and I was like, oh, they're just getting a little chippy down there. You know, they're mm. talking to each other, you know, you know, uh, non-spoken verbal communication is being said. I can read body language. Like, okay, this feels like, a t- if, if this game stays close, something is going to happen. I did not know, like, all that was going to happen, but I'm like, man... It just feels like Sabonis is trying to go Draymond into one of those moments. And which is, it's a brilliant ploy. It's a brilliant, mm-hmm. the, the playoffs are just about the, the mental mind state of the game than it is the physical, if not even more. So when it happened, obviously I saw it happen in, in real time and I didn't know exactly what, you know, the, the totality of what it was. And then I saw the replay. I'm like, ah, well, <laughs> he, he did grab his foot. And I'm like, but he did emphasize the stomp. So it's like, I get it. I understand why he got kicked out of the game, but I also understand why Sabonis got the tech. But I also hope that, you know, you know when this podcast comes out, I hope Draymond is not suspended for game Yeah, three me too. Because yeah. I need the theater. I need the drama. Uh, we already saw what happened with Draymond when he got suspended during the 2016 finals. Uh, he missed changed that game five, and it quite literally changed the course of basketball history when he got suspended. I don't want that to happen here. I think the punishment was already doled out in in you know game two in terms of you know ejecting him from the game. But um, do I think the stomp was intentional? I don't think Draymond wanted to stomp on him, but I think Draymond went full Draymond and was like, "Screw it!" And like so, once once he got in that mind state, like you just yeah, said, yeah. I got to let people know that somebody is wronging me over here. The only difference is. When he lets people know that he's being (laughs) wrong, he's also super wrong. When he's letting people know he's being wronged,
0: yeah,
5: gentlemen. That man, A Town stomped, Kirk Franklin stomped, stomped the yard. That man absolutely tried to stomp. Drew Hill stomped. He he, the full jump and everything. All four of them. All three of y'all. No, he absolutely did that on purpose. But here's the reason. Here's the deal. Like you. Don't suspend him for the postseason. You kicked him out of the game. That's punishment enough. Yep. That, that that right there is punishment in, in itself. And let's be honest, they'll be watching him. So if he does anything wild, you know, moving forward, that'll take care of itself moving forward. But I, I got to be honest with you. And while, you know, I, I, I completely understand and you know, understand where you're coming from, Jack, Um, in and, and giving him the benefit of the doubt, kind of like the comment that I made earlier about, you know, folks not giving Doc the benefit of the doubt because of confirmation bias. Look, man. I, I've I've heard your records before, Draymond. I heard how you sing. <laughs> I know your voice. You did it, and that's cool. But I'll also just compare it to this. It's kind of like remember the the vaunted play where Shaq drop steps on Chris Dudley, and then he winds up pushing him down. If you look at that play, Chris Dudley went Shaq. You know, dunks and raises his legs. He grabs him and pulls him. You know, pulls his body into him a little bit, kind of put. And then Shaq decides, well, no, now I'm just going to have to ragdoll you, and decides yeah. to push him. Yeah. yeah, he got what he deserved because he was playing a dangerous game. That's kind of what happened, you know, in that situation. And just and the only reason why it matters more now is because it's a postseason and because it's Draymond. It's yeah. yeah, no, for sure. I, totally I have always that.
4: thought that the Shaq dunk on Chris Dudley was purely accidental. You didn't <laughs> see him there. Um, <laughs> no, all right. This is one of the funniest
6: uh, moments in NBA
5: history. Yeah, one sure. of the greatest. Truly, mm-hmm. I remember that Sunday.
0: Here's Shaq against Dudley. Nice! He's got overpowered by Shaquille O'Neal. But Dudley is now drawing with Shaq and threw the ball in his direction. Man, if you want to pick somebody to go with, you go right to the head of the class when you go after Shaq.
4: So Warriors-Kings, the, the Kings up 2-0. I think a lot of people, when we recorded last week, we were heading into the playoffs and a lot of people were picking suddenly picking the Warriors to come out of the West, um, which I was a little bit confused by because they hadn't been able to win much on the road. Um, This, watching the first couple games, the thing that keeps jumping out to me is that for a Kings team that is great offensively struggles to say the least defensively, but have done a, a good job so far in the playoffs. Um, This is actually not a bad draw because you've got a team that relies on shooting threes and shooting threes is like such a streaky thing Mm -hmm. that can just change and like after game one of that series i was like okay like that was awesome to see the kings win that one but i feel like the warriors are going to come back because they just missed a lot of open threes in that first game and they won't miss that many open threes in game two but that's the thing about being a three-point shooting reliant team and like so that's why it might be a pretty good draw for them even though everybody was kind of saying that it was the worst possible draw
6: also too you know what i've noticed through two games of this series Man, Mike Brown is coaching circles around Steve Kerr right now. It is it's, it's ugly. Yeah, he's he's a, he obviously you know he coached Cleveland back in the day during the early LeBron days, and you know he's always been a defensive minded coach. So when you have a defensive minded coach with such a great offensive team, that they really complement each other because you know you don't really have to do too much work on the offensive end. It's it's, it's showing up things on the defensive end, and we see that like. I see Sacramento making more defensive adjustments than I do uh, Golden State at this, you know, at this very moment. Of course, you know, the things can change on a dime. And who knows how this series may actually end. But in game two, I expected Sacramento to come out with the urgency as if they were the ones down 0-1. Because they understand and they know, look, if we go up 2-0, which, you know, of course, they eventually did. If we go up 2-0, that means Golden State has to win four out of the next five. And that is... That's that's a hard ask for anybody. I don't care if you're the defending champion or not. And I read a stat earlier today where it was like Golden State is the fifth defending champion in history to go down 2-0 in the next postseason.
4: In the first round?
6: In the first I think in the first maybe in the first round. I think I guess in the first round. Yeah. Oh, wow. All four of the previous teams lost. Three of the four got swept. So game three. Yeah. And I was about to say in Oracle, but you know, what I mean game <laughs> three in San Francisco. Chase. And Chase, it's yeah. not hyperbole to say that, like, it's one of the most important games in this current iteration of the Golden State Warriors as we know them. Because if you go down 03, I mean, even with Steph, even with Clay, even with Jordan Poole, that's, I mean, you're not beating that Sacramento team four straight times. So, game three, it, it would, I, expe- I expect it to be one of the most intense, I expect it to be one of the most passionate. And I expect to see a level of desperation in Golden State that they were not expecting to tap into in the first round, maybe in the second round, definitely in the Western Conference finals or or the finals if they were to make it there. But, you know, I think Sacramento, they smell blood in the water. They know how important Mm -hmm. this game three is. So it's going to be very, very interesting. Again, I was about to say Oracle again, but Chase.
4: (laughs) Just like going back to the 538, like because that's the analytics uh, Mm -hmm. app that is easiest for me to look at right now. The teams that I've been surprised how much and how little the wins and losses so far have affected things. They still have the Warriors with a 50% chance of winning this series. And they're down 2-0. That's crazy. Whereas the Bucks going down 1-0... They only have a 52 percent chance, according to them, of winning that series. So, like, they're they're seeing something in the Miami series, whereas like with the Warriors, they just expect them to come back and pull it off.
5: Let me ask this: Do we believe in that? Like, I understand that you know, like that that the odds are there, or that. But do we believe that? And the reason why I ask that question is, it's difficult enough to beat a team four times in a calendar year, but now you got to beat them four out of five. And I recognize like this is this is the dubs, this is the Warriors. We've seen we've seen their exploits. There's a desire to believe, but do you act like say Justin,
6: do you actually believe that the Warriors are gonna come back and win the series? Would it surprise me? No. If they won the series. Do I expect them to? No. For that exact reason, bro. Four out of five times, four out of, you gotta win four times in basically a week and a half. Yeah. Against the yeah. same team who's hopefully will be making adjustments. And look, they're the Warriors, man. They've Been there, done that, bought several championship T-shirts along this run. So I'm not counting them out at all. But if they lose game three, this series is over. Yeah, we're done. The series is over, man. And it's just a matter of how many games would it be? Would it be four or would it be five? Because let's just say they win game three. Sacramento wins game four. Sacramento goes back to, you know, golden one up three one. I don't see how Golden State, who has been an awful, historically awful road team this year, suddenly cuts it on in that yeah. arena at that time with with that much momentum going against them. So,
4: so Golden State's record on the road eleven and thirty this season. Oof. Their home record also, when compared to that, thirty three and eight. Like incredible one of one of the best home records in the league, but we talked about this a lot during the regular season that like the West, when you looked at like the win loss on the road was like really bad for almost every team except the Sacramento Kings 25 and 16 on the road. Mm -hmm. So they, they got it done on the road. Unlike basically every other, like even the nuggets were 19 and 22. They were sub 500 on the road. The Kings had a really solid record on the road. So they, traveled well this season we're gonna see if it holds up but like that that game three is gonna be I don't know very intriguing
6: you know how sometimes the stage you can tell when it's gonna be too much for like a young team yeah especially a young team that's never been in the playoffs yeah like the Sacramento Kings I don't really see their heart pump Kool-Aid like that I think De'Aaron Fox would get up for a moment like that I think Malik Monk would get up for a moment like that and again we talk about this 2-1-1 theory like it would not shock me to see like a random Trey Lyles game yeah. in 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 chase Harrison like Barnes. Harrison Barnes like Harrison Barnes going mm-hmm. back yep. going back to Golden State. You know, Golden State has talked about oh well, we we don't panic. We've been through all of these situations. Now is the time to panic, my friends, because Game Three is a must win. Is yeah. a must win. Your season is on the line in game three. That's that's not being hyperbole. That's not me trying to like hype the moment up more than what it is. This is it for the Golden State Warriors, especially the Golden State Warriors with Draymond Green, because I don't I don't think many people expect him to be back on the team next season. So like, th- it, it, history yeah. feels like it's happening in real time right now. So I, I just hope the Golden State Warriors treat it as such. And don't just go into it like, oh, we're four-time champions. We can cut it on whenever we want. No, you can't.
4: You, yeah, it turns out that. you can't because I think mm-hmm. you would have him game two if you, Yeah, if you wanted <laughs> to and you lost by even more. How do we feel about the other series? I, I mean, Suns Clippers is going to there's going to be a, another game by the time people listen to this. Same with mm-hmm. Lakers and Grizzlies. Lakers and Grizzlies. That was the game one that showed me the most. I think we've been we've been watching and talking about the Lakers a lot of this podcast, but like seeing the Lakers put it together at the moment that mattered the most on the defensive end was pretty impressive. And on the offensive end, that was another one where it's like, all right, we got our uh, Rui game out of the way.
6: (laughs) Got the Rui game out of the way in game one, man. That's incredible. I mean,
4: but you could easily call that the AD game because of how Mm -hmm. dominant he was on the defensive end.
6: And that's what it comes down to, man. With the Lakers, the defense since they made those trades, they've been one of the better defensive teams in the league, like top two or top three, you know, in terms of defense, it all comes down to health and in particular, the health of LeBron James, but really in particular, the health of Anthony Davis. When Anthony Davis had that stinger in his arm and we all saw him mouth. I can't feel my arm. I think every Lakers fan in the world was like, damn, that's it. Like, and, that's not a fun place to live in if you're a Lakers fan because this team has the talent to win the championship. Mm-hmm. But you you just always feel like, ah, man, is the shoe going to drop yeah. off the other foot? Like you, you, That's a really traumatic and problematic way to be a fan. But being a fan is, is traumatic. So uh, it, it's really all about the defense with this team, the defense and health. Um, I think Anthony Davis, if he remains healthy and prayerfully, he remains healthy because I, you know, I've been reading up on, on what the last couple of years have done for his like his mental health. And, you know, people can crack jokes on like social media, but this is a dude who still feels all these things. Like he don't want to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Anthony Davis doesn't want to miss 30 games here and there. So I hope this is a, a prove it postseason for him in terms of just health. But uh, yeah, yeah. and that's the thing with the with the with the Grizzlies. I, I You know, I love the Grizzlies, but you got you got to watch what you ask for, man. I'm talking about Dylan Brooks here. Oh, yeah. You know, like you're already shorthanded when it comes to your your, your big men. Brandon Clark is gone for the season as Steven Adams isn't coming back this season. So now you basically just have Jaron Jackson Jr. out there. You got to pray he doesn't get in foul trouble. So we'll we'll see what happens with this series. But if you're the Lakers, you're not necessarily concerned about a game plan. You're concerned about the injury report. Yeah. Trying to keep that as bare as possible.
5: Justin, you yeah. hit it on the head. I can tell you straight up, as a Lakers fan, you find you, you what you have to do is you have to just come to terms with he's going to get banged up at times, and you just hope it's not bad. Yeah, like it it, 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 really, it really is that simple. But when you know, to your point, when he's in there, and and I'll just make this point before you you, know, you go to the next series, Jack. When he's in there, he's the most destructive force on the defensive end, and I and I mm-hmm. honestly think I recognize he's been injured off you know, or at different times in his career. But if we look back at the end of his career and he doesn't have a defensive player of the year, much like Tim Duncan never won one, I think it's a travesty and, and, and just an absurdity because when he's right, they're in the mix in any conversation. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Russell's played well since being acquired by the Lakers. As Bain drives, but he struggled. Oh, what a block by Davis! Swats it off the backboard. Tillman fakes. Now he goes right at Davis. Another block for Davis. He average two per game during the regular season. Aldama's also in now for Memphis. Jackson goes blocked by Davis. That's block number three already when having played nine minutes.
4: All right. And the, the other series, let, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk. I mean, broad strokes, Suns, Clippers. Uh, we'll be right back.
2: Did you
0: ever play the over under game with your friends?
1: For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co/pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com/promos.
4: And game two of Suns, Clips, tips off in a matter of hours. So that's where we are. We are um, chronologically disadvantaged. Uh, We we don't know exactly what's happened. But game one was very interesting. I I think surprised a lot of people uh, who had the Suns coming out of the West. Surprised a lot of people who gave up on Westbrook. Never me. Never me. Um, I've always from day one, I said, you can shoot three of 19 and still be the best player in the game. Um, his coming down the stretch, there were a lot of times when he was doing these sorts of things at the end of the game, he would just also take a terrible shot that would ultimately like lose the game for the Lakers. And this was best of both worlds. He did the things that affect the game and then, Took only like one or two really terrible shots and got to the free throw line and made them.
2: Either side. Paul gets it in. Here's Booker. Suns down three. On the break here in game one. Booker taking on Westbrook. And a block by Westbrook. And he throws it off of Booker. It is Clipper ball. What a play. Russell Westbrook.
4: Did this show you enough that you're off the Suns, uh, on the Clippers, or how are you guys feeling?
6: This is one of those series, uh, I won't rush the judgment off game one too much yeah. because I feel like all all the key components are still there. Sands, Paul George, we, we knew he wasn't going to be there going into this series. Whereas, you know, Lakers and Grizzlies, we don't know the extent of Jaw's injury. And we know how much that changes the complexion of that and uh, so on and so forth with others. But with the Suns, you, I would hope going in the game two that here's a novel concept. Get Kevin Durant the ball and get him the ball a lot because good things oh yeah, happen when Kevin that team. Durant he's has on the ball. He's on that team. You know? That's
4: right. That was, like, I forgot this be, that.
6: <laughs> there should be no reason why he has a disappearing act in the first quarter because he's not really getting the ball. And then in clutch time in the fourth quarter, he's not really getting the ball. But, but everything in between, he gives you 27, 9, and 11. Like he can do that with his eyes closed. Phoenix, if you have Kevin Durant on your team, what you do, get him the ball. In any type of scenario, good things will happen. And... I, I hope that's the adjustment that Monty Williams and his crew makes in game two, Uh, Because, you know, we got Kawhi Leonard and Kevin Durant. This is a generational type matchup and it doesn't yeah, it really fun. happen too much. I think there's, there's a really good piece on ESPN.com about that right now. Just, just about the, the legacy of having these two go at it. And like, these are two of the best players of all time. Kawhi, definitely a two-way player and Kevin Durant, you can make the argument. He may be the greatest offensive player of all time. Yeah. But, I hope there's a commitment to this. Phoenix has so many weapons on offense and I get that. Yes, you should divvy the ball around, but when it's winning time, get the ball to your guy and that guy is KD Trey 5.
5: I'm wondering, do you guys, I mean, it, this may be just an obvious yes, but do, you know, how much do you think it plays in their seemingly having to figure it out on the fly just because he wasn't in that lineup, you know, you know yeah. down the stretch of the season, because that I, saw, makes sense I, to me. I saw a rotation out there where it was Devin Booker and none of the other guys. And that's no disrespect to NBA players. Y'all know what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I, I didn't quite understand how you have, you know, KD and, you know, Chris Paul uh, and you, and you're not staggering that, you know, somewhat, but yeah. you know, to, you know, to that point, I came into this, absolutely thinking Phoenix would win it I did not factor in the battle on the benches enough in my estimation because quite frankly yeah. and it's not taking anything away or it's not a shot at Monty Williams but what Ty Lue has shown me is that he's a master an absolute oh. master at game planning as well as adjusting and you know th- I yeah, think that's lose I in think
4: series. That was, yeah. I was gonna say my two big takeaways from game one is like Kawhi still has it I I slept on how good he still is even though he's you know, a little bit older and didn't play that much for the don't beat previous yourself couple up seasons. over it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like but when, the other big takeaway, Ty Lue is just such a great coach, I'm underrated.
6: Ty Lue is incredible, man. And and Jabari, you mentioned in terms of like in game adjustments. I don't know if there's any the better best. coach than yeah. than Ty Lue. So I, I give him any chance I get to give Ty Lue all the credit in the world. I will give Ty Lue all the credit in the world. And. uh Jabari, you mentioned something, too, just in terms of, yes, Phoenix has the stars and the offensive firepower. They also gave up a lot of stuff in that trade to get Kevin Durant, but they still have the firepower there. But there's a familiarity with the Clippers that's not there with the Suns. Yes, they've only played eight or nine games with Kevin Durant, whereas this is the most basketball we've seen Kawhi Leonard play in what, two, three seasons. And I believe he played, going into the playoffs, he played, I I believe, 32 of the last 37 games going into the playoffs. So there's a consistency there within that offense, even without Paul George, because it's like, okay, well, until Paul George gets back, here's how we're going to funnel and facilitate the offense. And of course it goes through Kawhi. And you saw that in game one. Kawhi, like, he doesn't have the prettiest jump shot in the world, but I swear every it time he shoots, crisp. it just goes in. Like it, like that little line drive shot that like Kobe used to have in the early parts of his career. I'm like, it's not going in, but it went. It goes in every time. And Kawhi is one of the best big game players that that we'll ever see in basketball. So where a lot of people were saying like, oh, I want to avoid the Suns in the first round. Kawhi don't really talk, but if you, <laughs> if you try to right. really. Go inside of his head. Come yeah. I didn't really care who he's playing. He like care. this is basketball, bro, and it it shows. So who knows what's going to happen in game two? Except y'all that are listening.
4: <laughs> his shot has so much backspin on it. Sometimes I'm afraid it's going to like create a wormhole and go back in time. Like,
5: it's because <laughs> it's his hands wrap around the ball. Yeah, yeah. He can, so like,
2: like that's. Fling it.
4: Yeah, he couldn't. the The fact that he couldn't shoot at all when he came into the league and is now this good a shooter is. You know, it gives Ben Simmons fans like myself hope uh, that we'll (laughs) never. (laughs) I don't know if that's (laughs) going (laughs) to happen. Just needs to get traded to the Spurs. uh, Um, That's what he needs. Wolves Nuggets. The Nuggets looked amazing in game one. I I still think the Nuggets are slept on a little bit uh, just because everybody's too excited about all these other series with the bigger stars and the Nuggets are terrifying.
5: Jokic wasn't even at his best, and I think he fouls out in that game, and they still blow him out by thirty. Yeah, like you know, yeah, no I, disrespect, but all disrespect. You know, I'm hoping
6: difference. that series is not one of those series that's like, why are you at game six right now? Why didn't right. you just close this out at game four? Like, yeah. don't, let's let's not prolong this. We already know how
4: this is going to end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could see them taking at least one because Ant has still not really done anything, and yeah. I'm sure that's happening at some point. Um, all right rapid fire this is just the fastest segment in podcasting first thought best thought um jabari you want to kick us off
5: all right you ready Mm -hmm. oh wow
4: you're just going to take it like that you're not even gonna
5: oh well you i mean hey look i I, I, I know we're we're usually like miles like no you you, go no
4: justin do you have a
5: preference as to who asks you the question first
4: oh my god no jabari is so insecure okay fine wow okay Um, fine
5: jack all right you, you you got it are you sure I'm certain. Positive.
4: Okay. See, so it just seemed like you really needed this one. Uh, like <laughs>
5: uh, so I was, I was you know, getting all right. A little no, that's cool. <laughs>
4: all right. Justin, is there a single NBA player you would take right now over the chance of taking Victor Wembenyama with the first pick this summer?
6: That's currently in the NBA right now? Mm-hmm. Yes. I would say probably the only one that I would take is probably Giannis. That's, that's everybody's
4: answer. That's been the yeah. answer. But yeah. the fact that it takes people as much time as it does is so crazy. <laughs> I, had think, that, I had to think about because it. Because Wemby yeah. like, that's as wild, man. It is. Yeah. All right. Keep I, me going. I think that's the right answer, too.
5: It is. Like, yeah. you know, we can be real about that. But outside yeah. of him, nah, give me Wemby. Yeah. Um, wow. or,
4: I mean, Justin, I'm trying to think. Like, Jokic has been pretty good, I guess. Uh, he's won two MVPs in a row, and he's pretty young still. Um, but See, yeah, Justin, I what guess.
5: Jack is doing is this is supposed to be rapid fire. Uh-huh. He, is, he is prolonging it, waiting for you to stop him.
4: Yeah. Oh. No, that's not true. I'm not I just changing thought my head what too, though. I was saying was really interesting, but uh, you go ahead, Jabari.
5: <laughs> well, for the record, officially, it was very interesting, Jack. I just want you to. Yeah. That. All right, but keep it going. All right. What is your favorite NBA city to visit? And what is your
6: must have meal in that town? Oh, my favorite NBA city to visit? would probably be, it's my favorite city, period, New Orleans. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, and, and first place I go to, whenever I go to New Orleans, I got to go to Drago's and get the Charger Road Oysters. Yes, please. I have okay. to. I have okay. to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. New Orleans, I'm for sure.
4: What is your boldest postseason prediction for this year?
6: The Knicks mess around and make the conference finals. Wow. Hey, if, if Giannis
4: Woo! is beat up,
6: I could see that. I could see that path. Man, look, Jalen Brunson... Is a beautiful, and when I say this, I don't mean this as any disrespect. You know, in in football, when you call somebody a game manager, it's like a step down for a quarterback. I think Jalen Brunson is one of the greatest game managers in the game today. I love his game, and I don't think he's scared of it. It, it, We see how important of a player he is. Look where Dallas is right now, and look where the Knicks are right now. So, yeah, my boldest prediction, the, the Knicks make the Eastern Conference Finals.
4: we we've talked before about teams having like gravitational equilibrium, like where, like, you know, LeBron for a certain run of his career, just any team he was on was going to be in the finals. That was just like where he goes. Well, maybe Jalen Brunson, it turns out he just wants to be in the conference finals one way or another. That's where he's going to end up. I kind of like that. One way
6: he's going to get you there. He's not going to talk a lot, but he'll get you there.
4: Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. And he had, he has been awesome to watch this season.
5: All right. This is for the money. This is where this, okay. is, this is the one that matters the most. Okay. All right.
6: Jack or Jabari, the one who starts their name with the letter J, mm. including myself. Huh. Yeah, yeah. So we're all winners. We're,
4: it's the mm-hmm. triple J.
5: We're, yeah, we're, no, we
6: are the defensive player of the year is that what
4: uh, yeah yeah. J. yeah that's right i
6: can't pick between y'all because i want to come back on the show man and i'm not trying to create any bad blood oh, and burn some bridges oh, out the door yeah no bad blood whatsoever i understand pick jack i'm
5: still gonna ask you to, you can't I'm still you came try to book very you. close to having a to lifetime
4: ban sir <laughs>
6: <laughs> i don't need that man I, I love it too much here
4: well it was great having you as always thank you fellas where, thank where you. can people find you read you all that good stuff
6: uh, you find me on social media. It's very easy to find me. It's actually my name at Justin Tinsley at Twitter, on Instagram. You read my work on Anscape.com. You can see me on Around the Horn at least once a week. I'm a regular panelist on there. Catch me on ESPN Daily for, for a few episodes. I'm one of the rotating hosts that they have on there now that uh, Pablo Tori has since moved on to bigger and better things. Yeah, that's, that's where you can find me. I'm always around, though. I try to stay as active as I can.
4: Nice. Well, thank you so much.
5: Make sure you check out LeBron's power plays. His fantastic oh, yeah. series. On yeah, yeah, yeah.
6: Appreciate that. that it's a series that I definitely got going on at Anscape.com that examines LeBron's impact off the court, just in terms of variety of fashion. So it, it's been really fun working on that series throughout the um, entire uh, season. I'm glad the Lakers turned it around because for a while I was like, man, are they really going to miss the playoffs? And I got this whole like dope series <laughs> going on about them. But hey look. hey, look, hey, look. I watch over babies and fools, and I ain't been a baby in a long
4: time. So. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Love it. All right. Well, make sure you give us a follow on Twitter, at MadBoosties. That is going to do it for us this week. Go watch the NBA playoffs. We'll be coming to you with a quicker turnaround going forward, so you can look forward to that. And uh, we're back next week.
5: Bye. Bye.
3: sent off today.